Now it is. So do I got to repeat everything? <laughs> so, yeah, so we're going to be, uh, it's always good to hear God's people sing, and, you know, we're going to be singing in heaven. So uh, what, a, what a joy um, to hear everybody singing. Um, if you would, please turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. We did an overview last week of Ephesians, and um, this week we're going to kind of dig into it. I'm going to give you kind of a really quick, brief little deal of what I'm looking at. So today I'm going to deal with the first two verses, and that's it, because the next section, the section verses 3 through 14, are packed just so full of good, rich stuff that I want to be able to just dig into that and us come out of this very encouraged and us coming out uh, praising God for what he has done in our salvation. Those 14 verses deal so such greatly with our salvation. I want to take some time to, to, to go through them so that we get the, the just of really what, what, what God is saying to us. And just as a preview, those 14 verses, or verses 3 through 14, when you look at it in the Greek language, it's, it's one... <laughs> it's... It's one sentence is all it is. Translators has broken it down, but it's one sentence. And so I was challenged by a friend of mine in Martinez, California. I told him I was probably going to take a couple of weeks to do it. And he says, well, what's going to take you a couple of weeks? Paul did in one sentence. So I don't think I can do it in one sentence. So let's go ahead and pray and then we'll, 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 we'll get started since we have a lot to cover. Father, thank you again for this time that we can come and uh, sing praises to you. Wow, Lord, um, you are exalted and, and, and there's nothing that compares to you. And Father, I pray that is true in our hearts today. I pray that there is nothing that compares to you. Father, I pray for those that aren't here today, whether they're sick or they're uh, hurting or uh, other things have just come up, I pray that you would be with them and comfort them in, in this time and encourage them in this time. Lord, I pray for us who are here today that your word would truly take root in our heart. Lord, that you would be glorified in the proclamation of your word and that we would leave here today, Father, encouraged knowing that we are your children and your bride. Just ask these things in your name. Amen. So, as we start this, entitlement. We've all heard the word entitlement. And we live kind of in a culture now where People think they're entitled to stuff. Since I have a, a master's degree or I have a bachelor's degree, I'm entitled to a certain job or I'm entitled to a certain amount of pay or I'm entitled to a new home. I'm entitled to a new car. But when we look at the just of the human condition, the only thing we're entitled to is hell because we sin against God. That's the only thing we're entitled to. But for the believer, that is the complete opposite. Since we are in Christ, we receive from God, not as entitlements, but as a means of his grace and a means of his mercy, we receive blessings. And that's what I want us to look at today, is there's three main blessings in these first two verses as we look at them. Let's go ahead and read the first two verses of Ephesians. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, 
To the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So the first thing we see as a blessing is we see that Paul is a blessing to us. We all have people in our lives and we've all said these things where we come out and we say, oh, what a blessing you've been to me. Like you guys have all been a real blessing for Jenny and I. And I hope likewise we've been a blessing to you. But even in this case, Paul is a blessing to us. So who is Paul? We know that Paul was the writer of 13 books. But what actually, who is actually Paul? So here's Paul. His name was Saul. He was from the tribe of Benjamin, is what Philippians 3 tells us. And most likely, he was named Saul after King Saul of the Old Testament in 1 Samuel, the first king that they had. He was trained in the, in the rabbinical studies under Gamil. Acts 22.3 says this. This is, I am a Jew born in Tarsus in Cilicia, but brought up in the city, educated at the feet of Gamil, according to the strict manner of the law of our father, being zealous for God as of all you are in this day or are this day. So we see that Paul was, he was, he was a, a Jew of Jews, right? He was, uh, Philippians tells us he was blameless under the law. This is who we see who, who Paul was. He was a persecutor of the church. Galatians 1.13 says this, for you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. Galatians 1.14 says that he was a member of the Sanhedrin, the ruling Jewish council in Jerusalem. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my father. Paul, he was saved on the road to, anybody know where he was going? He was on the road to Damascus, and this is when he was saved. This is when Jesus kind of knocked him off his horse, right, and had this light shine, and, and he has this, this absolute conversion. That's found in Acts 9, 1 through 8. And then during his early ministries, this is when he became known as Paul. This is when he became known as Paul. R. Kent Hughes, in his commentary on Ephesians, he says that Saul was a big name, big name, powerful name. Paul meant little. So we can see where, where, where Paul went from Saul, this big uprising guy in the Judaism, to becoming Paul. Very small, very insignificant, but a blessing to all of us. Paul was also an apostle to the Gentiles. Or, or uh, yeah, Acts 9.15. You guys skip the next one, Pete. Acts 9.15. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Romans 11.13 says, Now I am speaking to you Gentiles, inasmuch then as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry. So that's kind of an outlook of kind of who Paul was and where he got. But now let's look at Paul's credentials. Where does Paul come from to write these letters to instruct the people? Now we're going to get into the text. Paul's credentials. Well, the first thing was, Paul was an apostle of Jesus Christ, Ephesians 1.1. He was an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, apostle means one who is sent as a messenger or an agent. 
Well, that's the same thing as us. So we're, we're not a whole lot different than Paul. Paul saw the resurrected Christ. That's what made him an apostle, capital A. But we are sent ones too. We are sent ones. We are messengers of the Lord Jesus Christ in the same way. So here's where, where, where some of the apostolic duties that Paul had. He was to preach the gospel. 1 Corinthians 1.17 For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. And not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Secondly, they were to teach and pray. Acts 6.4 But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Now in Acts 6, what takes place is they were looking for deacons. And deacons came into the picture then because the apostles were doing all the work. And the, Pauls, and, uh, the apostles gave this this charge to the deacons to start taking care of widows and to start... Uh, distributing the food to the, the widows and the orphans so that they could, they could devote themselves to the word and to, to prayer and to teaching. Not only that, but they were to build up leaders of other churches. They were to build these ch- uh, uh, churches, uh, Acts 14.23. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So they were to preach the gospel, they were to teach and pray, they were to build up leaders, and then they were to write the word of God. This is what the apostles were to do. They were to write the word of God, and we see this in the New Testament. From Matthew to Revelation, our New Testament is written by these apostles that we see. So also, when we see this, that Paul wrote with authority. Look back at verse 1, if you've got your Bibles open. And here's where he gets the authority from. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God. Paul's apostleship and authority was the will of God. It was his purpose. It was his design. It was God's sovereign pleasure for Paul to write these letters, for Paul to preach the word. And it's the same for us, brothers and sisters. The same for us. Application is so good for us in, this, in these areas is that it's the same design. It's the same sovereign pleasure of God that we would go and we would proclaim the gospel and we would teach others. It's the same thing for us. 1 Corinthians 1.1 1, 1 says this, Paul, called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and our brother Sosthenes. 2 Corinthians 1.1, 1, 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God that is in Corinth with all the saints who are in the whole of Achaia. So we see where it's Paul is recognizing that it's the will of God that he is an apostle. And Paul never took his apostleship as something that he took for granted, this authority that he took for granted, that he would elevate himself above anybody. Paul never did this. His, his apostleship never created an ego. It simply humbled him because he always remembered who he was in Christ. And he always remembered who he was before Christ. Here's who he was. He says that he was a blasphemer. A blasphemer is one who commits blasphemy, a person who mocks or derides God. He was a persecutor. He was was an ignorant unbeliever. He was considering himself the foremost of sinners. 1 Timothy 1, 13 through 15 says all these things. Paul writes to Timothy and he says, Though formerly I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent opponent, 
But I have received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflows for me with faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. Paul not only considered himself as an apostle of Jesus Christ, but he considered himself as a servant of Jesus Christ, a bondservant, a slave. Romans 1.1 tells us this, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. Likewise, brothers and sisters, we're the same. We're servants of God. We're bond servants of God. Paul's story, in a lot, as I was speaking with Lindsay, is our story in a lot of ways. It's his conversion that changed his heart. Those were the things. He, he had these genuine affections for God. And so he wanted to proclaim Christ. This is where we get the authority of the letters of the word of God. Paul wrote with authority because he was an apostle and that authority came from Jesus Christ and by the will of God. That's a blessing to us because now we know that the word comes to us in power and authority and Paul is this blessing. Secondly, the believer's blessing is in our characterization, right? We have a dual description that Paul calls us here, a dual description, Look at verse 2, or verse 1, sorry, it's still verse 1. He says, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. So the first distinction that he gives us is that we are saints. We are saints. This word saints means this is how God views us. It's that we are those who are pure and righteous. We are perfect in God's eyes. We are saints. Now, we're just not Sunday saints, but we are saints Everywhere we go, if you're a believer, you're a saint at work. You're a saint in the grocery store. You're a saint when you're at home. You're a saint on the golf course. Although sometimes you hit a shot and you don't think you're a saint because of what comes out. So anyways, but we're saints. We're continually saints. This never changes, brothers and sisters. We have to grab this as the bride of Christ. We have to grab the fact that we are saints. Done. We are not progressing saints. We are saints. And that's what God calls us. 1 Corinthians 1.30 says this, that we are saints because of the righteousness of Christ. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Philippians 3.9 says, And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Philippians 3, 9, this is Paul when he goes and he gives his credentials of who he was. And then he comes and he says these things, and and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own. This righteousness of my own is all of our works that we do, our good works that we do, that we want to put ourselves up. It's our Phariseeism. I read today, I prayed today, I gave today. But inwardly, those Pharisees were, were, were dead. And Paul was saying at these credentials that he had this righteousness. He had this righteousness that was the, out, the outward scene of, of his law. But he comes in and he says, in that verse, he says, but then having a righteousness not of my own. 
It's a righteousness that doesn't come from the law, but it, it comes from faith in Christ. It's this imputed righteousness that God has given us that makes us saints. Paul calls believers in all of his letters. He calls them saints. Romans 1.7, to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians 1.1, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the overseers and deacons. Look at Ephesians 1.1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints who are at Faith Bible. That's how we can read these letters because these letters are for us. We are saints in the truest sense because of what Christ has accomplished for us. Although we still sin, right? We still sin. We still have those times where we're like, ah, I still sin, right? Martin Luther was an incredible guy and he, he came up in, in um, Sunday school and uh, I, that'd be another good Sunday school. It'd be just a Sunday school on Martin Luther. Just throwing that out there, Dick. Uh, so, but Mar- Martin Luther puts it this way. He says this, Simon justice et peccator. Meaning that Christians at the same time are both saints and sinners. Simultaneously at the same time. We're saints and we're sinners. Just because we sin does not negate that we're not saints. We are saints, brothers and sisters. We are saints. So do you live this way? Do you live this way when you wake up in the morning? Do you acknowledge the fact that you are a saint and that your righteousness is found in Christ? This is how we should live. This is what Paul calls us. This is what the Lord calls us in the inspired word, to the saints. Not only are we saints, but we are faithful. We are faithful to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. This word and has kind of a, the word and in there has kind of a verb to it, which means it's a continualness. Those who are continually faithful in Christ Jesus is what he's saying. That we have this continual faithfulness to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a person who continually puts their confidence in the person and work of Jesus Christ. When we are faithful, we imitate God because God is faithful. Faithful to call us to himself, 1 Corinthians 1.9. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. He is faithful to not let us be tempted beyond our ability. 1 Corinthians 10.13. No temptation is overtaking you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. God is faithful to guard us against the evil one. 2 Thessalonians 3.3 But the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. So we see that God is faithful. So when we act in faith and we are faithful, we put God on display because we are emulating our Father and that glorifies Him in every sense when we remain faithful. But even Timothy tells us that if, if we are faithless, it doesn't negate His faithfulness because there's times when we're not going to be faithful. There's going to be times when we fall. And we don't do what we're supposed to do. 
But that is God's grace and God's mercy in our life because he says it doesn't negate his faithfulness to us. But Paul calls us faithful ones. We're characterized as being faithful. Ephesians 6.21 So that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. Tychius, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord will tell you everything. How about being faithful ministers? That's what we need to be. We need to be faithful ministers. Faithful ministers of the word. Colossians 4, 9. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you. They will tell you of everything that has taken place here. They were faithful, beloved brothers. So I got to ask the question, brothers and sisters, are you faithful in everything that you do? It's okay if you're not. We ask for forgiveness, we confess our sin. But we should be characterized when people see us as faithful people, faithful to the faith. Our third blessing, our third blessing is that we are blessed with grace and peace. We are blessed with grace and peace. Verse 2, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a common greeting that Paul uses to all the churches. It's a common greeting. We see it in Ephesians 1-2. We see it in Romans 1-7. To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father, Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 1-2, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Titus 1-4, to Titus my true child in the common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Savior. It's, a, it's, 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 a, it's an entrance into the gospel, is it not? We are saved by grace. We have this grace. It's an entrance into the gospel. We are saved by grace and according to Romans 5, since we are saved by grace and we are justified, justified, we now have peace with God. We are redeemed. We are uh, uh, reconciled. We're all these things. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a, man, I can't even get the word. It's, a, it's just a, an entrance into the gospel is what Paul is saying. That wasn't in my notes. It just popped into my head. But that's what it is. It's grace. We're saved by grace. And then we we just move into this. So the believer's blessing of grace, this grace is favor from God. It's God's gracious dealings with us. It's this unmerited favor that we have. And this grace is first found, this grace is found in Jesus Christ. John 1.14 And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus was full of grace. He was gracious in all of his dealings. Even when he was dealing with the Pharisees, he was gracious in those dealings. John 1, 16 and 17. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Not only is it in Jesus that we have this grace, but his grace is a glorious grace. It's a glorious grace. Ephesians 1.6 To the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. We are justified by this grace. Romans 3.24 And are justified by his grace as a gift to the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. 
These are our blessings, brothers and sisters, our blessing. We, are, we, we live in this grace, not in law, but we, we live in grace. Romans 6.14, for sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law but under grace. So we live in this grace and we are saved by this grace. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works that no one may boast. Our salvation is a gift, and we all know this, that it's a gift. And it's not by works, so that none of us can boast of it. It's all to the praise of his glorious grace, is it not? Amen? Yes, that's our salvation. And this is abundant grace. This is grace that will never run out. Not even when we get into heaven. I believe, there's no, there's no biblical backing for this, but I believe that when we're in heaven, we're just going to get like, like, like the ocean. The waves keep coming. I think that's what God's grace is going to be like for us. At least, that's my thought. I can't have any scripture to back it up, but I think we're just going to get waves and waves and waves of God's grace in our life, and we're just going to just fall so much more in love with him every day as we enter eternity. But this grace, it's abundant grace. It never runs out. Second Corinthians 9.14 While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. It's a surpassing grace. It's an abundant grace. It's a grace that gives us peace with God. And that's our final blessing, the believer's blessing of peace. This isn't like any normal peace. Like we hear of peace treaties. We want to be at peace with other people. We want to be at peace with other countries. We want to live peaceful. No, this is, this is God's peace. This is who it is. And again, we find that this peace is from Jesus. Just like his grace, his his peace is from Jesus. John 14, 27 says it this way. Peace I leave you, I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Brothers and sisters, this world is going nuts. And none, all of us in here have got to admit to that. It is, it is cattywampus. I don't know what that means, but it sounds good. But it is going in all kinds of different directions. And people are being tossed to and fro. You know, my, my, my job is, I'm a barber. And man, the, the clients that come in, it is like, you know, you got people that are all over the, the, the spectrum. And it's going crazy. And we can easily be drawn into it. We can easily watch the news. And we can be drawn into the craziness of the world. But we have to come and we have to see in our hearts that we have a different kind of peace. We have a peace that gives us safety. We have a peace that gives us rest. We have a peace that surpasses all understanding. That's what Philippians 4, 7 says. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's a peace that we, we just know we're at peace. And we have no clue why we're at peace. But we know we're at peace. Because we have peace with God. 
That's what we have. And it's a peace that is, that is rooted and it's grounded in the person and work of Jesus Christ. See, that's what Jesus did with the cross. He came to make peace through his cross. We are reconciled to God, according to Colossians, through his body. The work on the cross is what gives us this peace. We cannot let go of the cross. The bride of Christ clings to the cross. That's what we do. That's where our peace is. We can look to that cross. Say, that's where peace was made. Right there. You want peace in this country? You pray for people to be saved. You pray that the cross becomes the emblem and not a flag. That's what we pray for. It surpasses all understanding. It's a peace that rules in our hearts. It rules our heart. It dominates our heart. Right? This is what it... Colossians 3.15, and let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Let it be king in your heart, to which indeed you were called and in one body and be thankful. This peace originates with God. It's a peace that originates with him. Romans 15.33, may the God of peace be with you all. Amen. 1 Thessalonians 5.13 And to esteem them very highly in love because of their work, be at peace among yourselves. We're to be at peace among ourselves. Even in here, we're not to have strife with one another, brothers and sisters, because we serve the God of peace. So, Jesus finally is our peace. Jesus is our peace. Ephesians 2.14 For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. So, brothers and sisters, do you live in the same grace and peace? Are you gracious in all your dealings? Do you live at peace, not only with your neighbors, your co-workers, but do we live at peace with each other, just in the church? Not only this church, But other churches, do we live at peace with other believers? Or are we always competing? Well, our pastor does this and our pastor does that. Look, you know, I really feel like I came from something that was really elite. And it's not healthy to have an elitist mentality because God's church is so much bigger. And God's church has all this. And and these are blessings, not just for faith Bible, not just for us individually, but for God's whole church. So we see in Ephesians 3, brothers and sisters, we are a blessed people. We are blessed believers because we have an example of the Apostle Paul. We are blessed believers because we are saints and we are faithful ones. And we are blessed believers because we have grace and peace. So in closing, the bride of Christ, that is us, may we go from here today living not a life of entitlement, but a life that is filled with seeing God's blessing in who you are and what you've been given in Christ. Let's pray. Father, again, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for this this, uh, salutation that Paul gives us, that he gives to all the churches. Lord, may you be glorified in us today as we leave here. May we walk in a manner worthy of what you have called us to be. And Father, may we be a light that shines in a dark world. Give us boldness today, Lord, to grow and proclaim your gospel and to 
share with people the riches and the glory of Jesus Christ. Let your word sink deep into our hearts, Father, that we would live it, we would love it. Until that day you come and get us, in your name, amen. Would everybody please rise as we sing our last song?